Hello and welcome to episode 90. That's right, episode 90 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is episode four of Bubba and the Batflip, the weekly uh, podcast coming to you that features myself and uh, Bubba from the Bench with Bubba podcast. Um, can't say it enough, but really, really enjoy um, talking with Bubba uh, every Monday night and, um, you know, just, just talking baseball with him and uh, going through some of the players that are, um, that are of interest on fantasy baseball radars. Uh, in this episode, we cover a ton of things. Uh, the Braves save situation with Shane Green, Luke Jackson, and Mark Melanson. Uh, some injury news, Nelson Cruz, Juan Soto, David Price, Austin Riley, Jacoby Jones. Um, some returns, uh, D. Gordon, Joe Panic, uh, Yandy Diaz, um, and others. And then also taking a look at the usual players who are kind of doing really well or doing poorly and whether um, what they're doing looks legit or what part of it might look legit uh, compared to other parts of that. And so we cover Mike Montgomery, Aristides, uh, Aquino, everybody's favorite uh, topic these days, and also everybody's favorite massive fab bid from this past week. Uh, Travis uh, Demerit, um, Trent Grisham, Dylan Peters, Kyle Seeger, J.D. Davis, Adam Wainwright, Adrian Hauser. And as usual, we cover a number of different other guys that are either fab relevant or who are making uh, waves as we kind of go through and get on our various uh, tangents. We also uh, talk some Will Clark, Will the Thrill Clark, um, from our youth. So hopefully you enjoy uh, this episode. If you do enjoy this episode or any other episodes or the podcast in general, please do uh, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a review. Uh, always am greatly appreciative uh, when folks do that. Both the rating, the review, or both is awesome. If you've already done that, please do just share the love for the podcast if you love it. If you don't, um, that is your prerogative. But um, if you can, just like it, retweet it, uh, share it. Let us know what you uh, like most about it or if there are topics that you would like me and Bubba to cover uh, next week. Apologies that I wasn't able to do any other podcast last week. I uh, was on um, a little bit of a short vacation uh, this weekend. Um, and so getting ready for fab while knowing that I was going to be out for much of the weekend uh, took a lot of my time. So apologies for that. Hopefully I'll be able to come up with another pod or two between now and next Monday when we do Bubba and the Bat Flip episode number five. All right. That about, um, well, that doesn't wrap it up. That's just getting it started, but that wraps it up for the intro. Um, yeah, let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to a, another edition, the fourth edition of Bubba and the Bat Flip. You can find me on Twitter at BDintrick and the co-host on this quite this awesome endeavor. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man? We are doing pretty good, uh, Bubba. If you'd asked me that earlier today, I would have told you that I that I was on tilt because um, I went with Dylan Peters in Fab this week over Jose Suarez, and then Peters got bumped to Wednesday, which means he doesn't get the two start week, which made the whole pickup kind of uh, ir- irrelevant or not irrelevant. Like I'm starting him, but I would have never gone after him if it wasn't for a two start week. But uh, Suarez has given up four earned runs in three innings with uh let's see two k's and seven hits so i dodged a bullet there i think and then yasiel puig is also serving his three game suspension so 
I got really lucky because I plugged in Justin Smoke in one of my leagues. And as somebody who owns a bunch of Blue Jays, I am a happy man today. Uh, after being sad earlier, how are you doing, Bubba? That was a long answer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yes, Forrest didn't work out so well. Blue Jays went crazy. Um, other than that, you know, the Giants keep winning baseball games and I don't know what's going on. And like you alerted me yesterday, I was in a kind of haze all weekend and I got home like 10 minutes before you uh, sent me that tweet that uh, Will Clark's number is getting retired. So I am beyond excited. If you didn't notice my timeline after that, I just went down a rabbit hole on Twitter on Will Clark things. So uh, yeah, that was uh, the the excitement for the weekend for me and just another Monday in my world now. Oh man. Well, Will Clark, like growing up, uh, you know, in with the Giants being the closest team, um, well, the Giants were the A's, but like Will it was Clark the Giants, was, let's be real. It was the Giants. Well, actually, the A's, the A's were better then. That's so, like, true. Growing they up, were. the A's had the Bash the Brothers. brothers. Yeah. They, were, they were so good. Like I, I actually was not into the A's because they were always so good and I liked to root for the underdog. Yeah. Um, but like, um, man, Will Clark, just that batting stance. I know like I saw the batting stance guy doing the the Will Clark thing. Like I used to do that all the time in my driveway, like, you know, just hitting bombs, doing home run derby with my friends and my brothers and stuff. So um, it was, was, was that you too? Oh yeah. No, I'm left-handed. I grew up playing okay. first base. Me too. Me too. I, uh, I, I, I did that stance until they stopped. They made me stop by like 11 or 12 years old. <laughs> um, I, uh, every shirt I ever had before we had real uniforms, I wrote 22 and intricate on the back. Oh, that's um, awesome. Like uh, I, I use 22 for a lot of things in my daily life. Like it's, 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 it's no joke that right? this guy uh, was, it's quite a big deal for me. Like my dad, uh, my dad used to go to spring training way back in the day before I think they had half the teams in Arizona. Mm. And um, he got to go out to a bar and Will Clark showed up and Will Clark had him go to dinner with him. So he came home with an autographed baseball for me. Oh man. So, that's awesome. Yeah. No. So and then uh, like I showed someone yesterday, I, I used to do video for podcasts, but behind me is a 1989 replica jersey of Will Clark. It's autographed that my wife got me a long time ago for my birthday, and that's probably the best thing I have in my entire house. So, um, yeah, that's that's did, my guy. Did they announce a day? Is it? Is it I haven't I haven't seen the day yet, but I will have tickets once they do. You will, <laughs> will, you, you will be there. It will be happening. I, the second I got your message, I walked straight to the bedroom where she was unpacking the suitcase, and I said, well, we have one game for sure we're going to next year. That's that's so awesome. I am um, on on the back. You know how you got those cards in T-ball that were like playing oh, yeah. cards, and they listed the favorite player in the back. For my T-ball one, it was Will Clark. So that's awesome. Um, I'm, I wasn't quite as much a fan as you, I don't think, but um, uh, just uh, he was so much fun to watch. You know, in that in that lineup, like Will Clark, Matt Williams, uh, you know, um, yeah, Kevin Mitchell. You had. Mitchell. Kurt Manwer and they had the reunion. They had Terry Kennedy there, Brett Butler, Royce Clayton. They had all those guys. It was pretty awesome. Oh as, man! As you can tell, I was quite the uh, like the way you love stats now. I, I was a baseball card stat nerd back in the day. Oh. Like I knew oh, every yeah. team. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. But. Okay. So I'm I'm looking at uh, let's see, Will Clark. It's just so funny. Like players were so much different, but oh, the the stats. Dude didn't, dude didn't strike out. Walked a ton. Strike, striking um, he, out was an embarrassment. Yeah, he hit three hundred in seven, uh, seven of his last eight years. Like just that swing, that lefty swing. It was you know? awesome. Broken yeah, no, line drives everywhere. Like people get mad at me. I tell them uh, if if Griffey didn't have such a beautiful swing and kind of stole the show 
in the 90s, Clark had the original lefty swing. Mm. Like, it was Clark. But Griffey, I'm not going to take anything away from Griffey. Griffey was awesome. Yeah. Backwards hat, the kid. Like, it was cool. There's no no hiding that. But the original lefty swing was Clark. And what I loved about him, he always had the eye black or the pop-up sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And the intensity with him. Like, he did a double and he'd be jacked up. Like, it was just... It was special with that man. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. Like, remember when you, I mean, when I was a kid, like those flip up sunglasses. Yep. Were like, I, I, I had to get a thing, them. you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, it was, it was awesome. Like people probably don't even know what flip up sunglasses are anymore. Cause <laughs> they, they put them on their head or they put them on their head. Like they, they don't even, they don't even know what those are. It's unbelievable. But they're, but they're not as cool. So yeah, exactly. Not nearly as cool. Like <laughs> uh, as people can tell, I can go down this rabbit hole for a while if you like about the uh, late '80s, early '90s uh, baseball time. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, eventually, people want to tune in for fantasy info, so we'll probably Ooh. do this. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather just talk about <laughs> yeah. the 90s talk, talk about the like early early '90s Giants. Let's do like, it. Like I remember when Clark was called up in '86 and his first career home run and first career hit was off of Nolan Ryan in the Astrodome. Oh, it was a man. bomb, center field. Like those were the days. But, that is uh, so sweet. Yeah, taking uh, the the Cubs and Maddox and company for a grand slam in the NLCS. That was good. Mm. Yeah, so many great things. Oh yeah. But all right, let's talk about some Braves. The Braves. Um, I made comments about it when they traded for Shane Green, and then I was really excited when they traded for Mark Melanson, took on his whole salary, <laughs> and I even said like, um, "Okay, Braves, this isn't the answer to your problems." And I'm not kidding. It was no one that followed me. But all Braves fans somehow found me on Twitter. They're that bored. They must have looked up the name Shane Green and Mark Melanson. I was getting messages for like three or four days about how I was wrong. Well, Mm -hmm. since I'm a nice guy, I never responded to them and said anything. But I really want to. But uh, as we know now, Shane Green's blown a couple saves. Luke Jackson's out. They're giving Melanson the shot, Toby. Melanson hasn't been good. If you're a fantasy baseball owner in a world where saves are a mess, what are you doing in Atlanta? Well, I just stay clear of there. No. Um, I mean, I think it's touch and go. I haven't heard anything recently. Obviously, Jackson got the last save. I've been a big Luke Jackson fan throughout the year. His skills have been really nice, but recently they just they just haven't. Like his the um, he's still getting swings and misses. His swinging strike rate is still up high, but he's not getting folks to chase outside the zone. Um, so he's just walking a ton of guys. Forty one percent of his pitches. Um, over the last little bit have been uh, uh, have been balls, which is way above league average, which is around 36%. And then his CSW is down at 25%. So he's getting folks to swing and miss, but he's not getting those called strikes anymore. So it seems like batters have, have adjusted and they kind of know what's coming from him, which is never a good sign. So I'd love to be confident in Jackson, but uh, I'm just, I'm just not at all. Uh, Melanton actually has been better recently, 36% CSW. I want to say this is in the, this is in the last like three weeks when I was looking it up, uh, 37% of his pitches have gone for balls. Um, his skills have improved since from earlier in the season, but still, uh, major issues there. And then green, and this is like the irony of Babbitt regression is he's actually been better from a skills perspective in Atlanta. Uh, than he was in Detroit, but it's just everything is falling in. And like, we knew it. I think actually on this podcast, yes. we mentioned, wouldn't it be funny? Isn't it going to be funny when Shane Green uh, gives up all of his like Babbitt progression, like when he goes over to the Braves and like, it, you just can't sustain uh, a sub 200 Babbitt, especially with his batted ball profile. It's not like he's giving up a ton of, 
you know, infield fly balls or fly balls, um, you know, and so it was just a matter of time before that came. And you kind of saw it with that first, the first time when he went against the Reds, I think there was like maybe four hits that he gave up and two or three of them were just kind of your bloop singles, but that's what happens over the course of the season. And so I think that, and then the elevated strand rate was just this glaring, like red light of like some bad stuff is going to happen. And that's what we're seeing happen. And so that's a really long way of saying like their skills are up and down. I don't think that there's a clear guy to own right now. It's just kind of like whoever got the last save and that's Jackson and his skills are good enough where if he can put it together where he was earlier in the year, um, you know, we may be able to, uh, you may be able to have a really good guy down the stretch, but I would not be banking on it at all. What about you? What are you, what is your approach to that bullpen? Yeah, it's kind of like what you said. I'd probably stay away from it unless you're like just desperate. And then you're just kind of, you're taking, I, I treat it the way you treat the Rays. It's like, okay, there's three guys here that on any given night could end up with a save. Like one week, a guy can get three saves and he might not get another one for a month. That's just how it's going to go with these guys. Just hopefully they can help you because they're still going to get their innings. Hopefully at least they help you in the ratios and whatnot. That's all you're hoping for. Um, right now, like you said, it's just whoever got the last one. Uh, Snitker seems very, very adamant on just playing the hot hand. And like, like I said, Shane Green, Shane Green blew two saves out. Like they, they traded like three prospects, and he, he gets bounced after two saves. It, it's crazy to have those kind of expectations, but that's what's happening. Luke Jackson's got the chance again. We'll see how long that lasts for. Um, I, I'd, I'd stay away unless you're desperate. I know people need saves, but it's almost gotten to the point is is chasing these type of saves worth those saves, and that's the kind of the tough spot we're in right now is it, are they really the value they appear to be on paper? And, and that's, that's the tricky part. And like you said with Shane Green, it's, we talked about it. There's only a matter of time before the type of contact and pitching that he does was not going to, you know, it, it was going to get ugly at some point in time. You just can't sustain doing what he was doing and, and making it happen. It's not like he's a flamethrower that walks too many guys. No, he gives up way too much contact in the ninth mm-hmm. inning of baseball games. So when Melanson has been better this year, that's why the Giants were able to trade him. He actually was, decent this season i did just still flabbergasted that the braves paid for everything but uh hey thank you but uh yeah so i'd stay away that'd be my two cents all right let's talk about the boomstick he was crushing baseballs nelson cruz like two three homer games in about like a 10-day span he was doing everything and now he hits the il with a ruptured ecu tendon not exactly sure how like what exactly that is. i know it's in his arm but um, he says it shouldn't be too bad. The pain isn't too bad. Thank goodness he's just a designated hitter. Um, he spent three weeks on the aisle earlier this year with a similar injury. So hopefully they get him back by September, get him ready for the postseason run. What's your thoughts on Nelson Cruz hitting the aisle? Yeah, it's obviously brutal for his owners. I mean, um, I, I have him in a bunch of leagues. Like I'm in, I think, four online championships through the NFBC. I think I have him in three. I've got him in one of my uh, main event leagues as well. Um, and the good news is that he's provided about a half a season's worth of production in the last couple of weeks before the injury. I mean, like I have never seen, I, I like can't it was ridiculous. anything similar to that. I think he had 11 home runs in over the last 14 days at one point, like just um, insane production from him. It's obviously tough. Like you mentioned, it is a ruptured tendon, but it, it's not as bad as it sounds. I think he's resuming baseball activities tomorrow. I want to say I was I was in and out this weekend, um, as I mentioned to you before. Like, uh, and so I haven't been able to track that closely. But the latest thing I saw is that he's going to be able to resume baseball activities tomorrow. 
So I think as an owner, you're hoping that it's just the, the minimum 10 day stay and he's back at some point next week. You know, the, there's always the concern that there's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be some residual effects in terms of him adjusting back. Um, and then whether the power is still going to be there, how it's going to impact him hitting. But, you know, he is such a good bat. And the Twins' upcoming schedule is just so bad. Um, you know, let's see. So Minnesota has two games at Milwaukee, four games at Texas, the White Sox for three, the Tigers for three, the White Sox for three, the Tigers for four, the Red Sox for three, and then the Indians. So we're talking about like seven or eight consecutive series that are against borderline awful, if not awful pitching staffs. And so if he can come back in there and produce some, um, some value for fantasy owners, I, I think it's definitely still a possibility. So a little bit of a sigh of relief after some bad news on, on Cruz. Yeah, no, definitely is more like, it almost feels like they didn't want to put him on the IL. It's more of a cautionary get right thing. Um, in his last 16 starts before he went on the IL, I looked it up 14 home runs. He's hitting almost 400 over that stretch. Um, that those are just a 288 WRC plus. Like that's just that's video <laughs> game stuff. That that's ridiculous. You don't see that kind of stuff from a guy that's let me get the exact age so I don't really skew him here. He is 39 years old. He turned 39 on July 1st. Um, that's that's bananas. So yeah. and, and I think the value of like one of the values of Statcast data is like you can see that the quality of the batter balls that he's hitting is not deteriorating. You know, he like no. continues to just be one of the league leaders in barrels and exit velocity. Like the guy is just, um, is just incredible. He's found the fountain of youth. And I know people probably want to use that big S word because I got busted for it before, but Hey, he hasn't been busted since and he keeps doing it over and over again. So he's figured something out and I can't wait. I, I hope he does it for another 10 years because it's entertaining as a heck, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. Well, and uh, one, one of the things is too, like, about that is people, you know, people have their opinions about steroids, but like, my question is like, you, you have the ball juiced the way that it is, right? Exactly. So maybe the players aren't as juiced or they're using different things, whatever it is, like the ball is juiced now and that's increasing folks' numbers. Like, do we put an asterisk by the numbers because that's happening now? Um, uh, 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 I think it's Rob Arthur who, who's been following, tracking like, the juiced ball and is always like the first guy to say, Hey, there's a juiced ball. He said that earlier this year. Um, you know, he projected that Barry Bonds during his peak season would have had over a hundred home runs with the ball <laughs> as it is right now. Like, that so just, just imagine that. Like, I don't, I don't care what you're on. Like the dude is 71 jacks in a season. Yep. Like that is nuts. Like you look, he, he walked like 32% of his plate appearances that year with like 7% strikeout rate or something insane. The like, dude, that's just, the dude had, he had one pitch to hit a game. He put it in the cove. Dude. Oh, so <laughs> good. Was, yeah. And that, I, I'm glad you said it though, because I've always been on the side of appreciate it for what it was. Yeah. If you don't like steroids, whatever. But the fact that it was not an even playing field, he was not the only one doing it. Probably more than half the pitchers he faced were on roids. Like, yeah. Like I, what they did is what they did. We have no control over that. But when like numbers have come out that are pretty accurate, that I was like eighty percent or more on seventy or four, whatever the final number was, like give me a break. He was, and like you said, the walk rates. There would be games where he literally had one pitch in the strike zone and he deposited it into the stands. That is a ridiculous conversion rate if you really want to get weird about it. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. 
incredible what uh, what he was able to accomplish. And like, I actually didn't like him as a player that much because he seemed yeah. like he was a total jerk. <laughs> um, but like, still, I mean, that was that was a thing, and that was fun. And um, okay, and I, we, we I can't. Did, I, <laughs> I, well, this is the fun about podcasts. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, I, I can't. Go. I I can't wait till he gets in the Hall of Fame because he will one day. I know he will. It's he's freaking amazing. To. He's got uh, like, isn't this his last year or something like that? Nah, I think I think he's got I think he's got you get like a ten year window. Okay. Or they changed the rules. I think it's like seven or eight now, but he he's gonna get in one way or another because if he doesn't, then the whole thing's a joke. It's a just yeah. joke of a place. But that's a whole other podcast. Uh, let's talk about a potential future Hall of Famer. He's only twenty one years old, I believe, but his name is Juan Soto, and he's been having one of the quietest, really, really good seasons in baseball. And he went. Uh, he's not on the IEL right now. He left Sunday's game with an ankle injury. I just wanted to bring it up because I haven't seen any new news today. He didn't play tonight. It was kind of just a, they're, they're taking it easy. They don't think he'll be on the IEL. Just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on it. I'm just kind of playing it by ear. I put it on there just in case people didn't know about it. We're wondering why he wasn't playing tonight. It's a mild ankle sprain. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just The most recent thing that I saw is that he was available to pinch hit tonight. The one thing I'd say is I feel like that's what is said every single time after exactly. these types of injuries is like they're available to pinch hit tonight. They're available to pinch hit tonight. And so I don't know whether he's going to go on the IL or not, um, but let's just hope it's not a long layoff. The guy is incredible. I had my doubts this offseason about whether he was going to be able to reproduce what he did last year. And look what he's done. He's even added stolen bases to the equation this year. So, you know, let's just hope one of the best uh, – young players of the game gets back and healthy, especially with, you know, the way this uh, playoff race is shaping up is going to be really, really interesting with a lot of the teams playing each other down the stretch. It should be some really exciting baseball. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's go to Boston. The Red Sox, they're having some pitching woes on the season and it doesn't help now that they're uh, one of their aces. David Price is going on the IL. He had a cyst in his wrist that's getting re- uh, removed. So it was retroactive to August 5th. They're hoping he's not out for too long, but uh, it will be a couple trips through the rotation without David Price. And this is a team that's very quickly falling out of postseason chances. It's getting bad in Boston. They, hey, their best trade acquisition, Andrew Kastner, they just moved to the bullpen. So, um, but what's your thoughts on Price of the IL? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, Boston's hitting is, has been great. Um, you know, it's been one of the best offenses in the game as you'd expect, but it has been that pitching and yes, Andrew Kashner was not the answer. Um, whatever the question was, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the question is that they were looking for an answer for, but, uh, Kashner was definitely not the answer. Uh, it sucks for price owners. You know, he has been serviceable this year, especially at, you know, injuring the wrist on his pitching hand, which just doesn't sound like a good injury, um, to have. Um, the skills have actually taken a step forward. Like if you look at the swinging strike rate, uh, things of that nature this year, but the batted ball quality has been really tough for him. 338 Babbitt. Um, he has been unlucky. 14 point uh, differential between his Woba and his expected Woba. A 324 Woba versus a 310 expected Woba for the year. But even that 310, I mean, like that's not much to write home about. That's actually like, you know, that's kind of borderline fantasy rosterable. And so, you know, it, it's still a little bit of a bummer because of the strikeouts that he was able to provide this year. But, um, yeah, like you said, like the Red Sox are just, they don't have any answers in that pitching staff right now. They're, 
they have fewer people to turn to that were at least somewhat reliable. And so I'm just not sure how they turn it, turn it around here down the stretch. Um, you know, cause there's also, from what I know of, uh, there isn't much in the minors from the pitching perspective either. No, they don't have a lot to work with right now. And, and the only thing that's made sense from things I've heard and read is they didn't, they weren't super aggressive and I know it, it hurt many's feelings, but they, they won the world series last year. They need to stay under the cap this year so they can get like, you got bets, you got JD who's a free agent after this year. There's uh Xander's going to need to get paid. Like, there's all these guys that are going to get paid. And if they were over the cap again this year, it's going to be very difficult to pull off. So there's a lot of stupid business behind it. It sucks if you're a Red Sox fan because you know the talent's there. And what if JD doesn't come back? What if these guys don't come back and now you just wasted the final years with them because you didn't want to be aggressive? It's like, you know, more and more problems with the baseball, the way the rules of baseball are and the way the front offices run baseball now. But um, that was why they didn't do any moves. And David Price now just makes it even worse for them now because they didn't make any moves. They have no depth. Like you said, there's nothing really in the minors. Um, and it's going to be really funny when they don't make the playoffs and you have like a uh, Twins or Indians facing the Rays in the wild card game. It's going to be absolutely amazing. I can't wait. Definitely. All yeah, right. We've, awesome. got, we've, yeah. we've got some uh, beep, 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 some breaking news here late oh, on yeah. a Sunday night. Uh, the Nats have signed friend of the pod, Greg Holland, uh, <laughs> to a contract. So. <laughs> Yeah, they signed a minor league deal, so we'll see how that one turns out. Yeah, right. Yeah, but hey, it can't be worse. They brought in uh, Fernando Rodney, and that's actually worked out okay. Yeah, they, brought there you couple, go. they brought a couple pieces in there, so I don't rule anything out. They almost blew it tonight against the Reds. Votto uh, hit one off the wall. It would have been a two-run homer to tie it, turned into an RBI double, and then they got uh, Van Meter out to end the game. So they almost mm-hmm. almost gave it up. Well, as a as a Doolittle owner, I, I'm I'm pleased that that did not happen. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it got a little rough there for a minute, but yeah, I think I think Doolittle's job safe unless he gets hurt. If he gets hurt, then it's going to get interesting in that Nationals bullpen. I mentioned I mentioned Rodney. They'll call up Holland. There'll be there'll be options there to make things really messy. Yeah, well, it's been interesting with Doolittle because the the knock on him is he's always injured, right? Like he's always yeah. got these elite ratios and just an incredible pitcher, but he's always injured. And now that he's finally healthy for a season, you know, the ratios and like the actual pitching has not been as, as bad, but I think he's a guy that because he gives up so many fly balls has been hurt a little bit more um, by the, um, by the juice ball or not the juice ball, the reduced drag ball or the happy fun ball, I believe as you like to call it. Yeah, whatever. The the, the bouncy ball, the racket ball, whatever you want to call it. The ball that goes very, very far. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's talk about a guy that had the ball go very, very far for a while. And then he had a massive slump because teams figured him out. And now he's hurt. His name is Austin Riley. They thought it was a sprained knee. Now it's a partially torn LCL in his knee. This could be a season-ending thing. Uh, he really hasn't been doing much to begin with. Regardless, he's going to be out for a little while. For me, it's a drop in pretty much all formats. What do you say, Toby? Yeah, I mean, outside of your kind of keeper, deep keeper dynasty formats, I think that that um... – uh, that's really the 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 way to go um, for Riley. He started off so hot, but the issues were always there. I mean, the 62% overall contact rate, that's 15% below league average. That's why he's got that 35% K rate. Uh, what was surprising with Riley, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm making this up. I should probably check this before I say it, but I feel like when he was in the minors, he actually had better plate discipline. Okay, so this year, 11.1% um, in AAA walk rate. 
Uh, so not great, but not uh, terrible. The plate discipline just wasn't there either. A 42% O swing, that's terrible. That's like 11% worse than league average. And I think when you have that core of like plate skills uh, just heading into it, like you are going to make, when you make contact and you can make the quality of contact that Riley was able to make, that's great. But when you do that, like when you're swinging and connecting on pitches like outside the zone, you're not going to make as quality of contact on those pitches most likely, um, or if you make contact at all. And then when you strike out at that high, you have to have an incredibly elevated Babbitt to compensate it for both an average and an OBP perspective. And that just wasn't happening. And so anytime that, you know, like the batted ball quality wasn't elite, um, you know, there wasn't much, much reason to have him in your lineup, but he did produce a lot towards the beginning there. And I think a lot of folks have had him out of the lineup for a few weeks now. And so, you know, be happy for what he contributed so far this year. Hope that he makes some progress in the off season. But like you said, I think he's a drop in, in all formats. Yep. hundred percent with you there. Uh, a name I wanted to bring up, I think maybe on our first episode, we talked about Jacoby Jones of the Tigers. He's actually a pretty productive player for a bit. there, a good young player, but he suffered a uh, season ending wrist fracture out of surgery. He's out for the rest of the year. So just wanted to bring that up in case someone somehow missed that. But uh, yeah, we lose Jacoby Jones for the season. Yeah, this makes me, this one's really painful because I have him in a number of leagues. I actually in a, in a 20 team dynasty, so like a pretty deep format. Um, I actually traded uh, Randall Grichuk and Robinson Chirinos for um, uh, Jacoby Jones and Travis D'Arno. I needed stolen bases and power. And J- Jones was providing a decent little chunk there. Grichuk, it's an OBP league. So he's not as valuable, although I really like what he was doing. He was actually one of my kind of second half breakouts. But I think the OBP um, reduced a little bit of value uh, not surprisingly, Grichik has been going off, including today. He had another yeah, home run, which has been destroying the ball, um, which is something that he's capable of doing for sure. And so now I don't even have Jones, but he's been really, really good. And I think this is going to keep him off of fantasy radars for a little bit longer. He's definitely going to be a guy that I'm targeting highly next year. He's batting lead, lead off for the Tigers, and the Tigers lineup is not good, but he's going to get a ton of plate appearances. He had a really bad month of April, like March, April, but if starting May 1st, he hit 255 with a 330 OBP and a 474 slug, 10 home runs and six stolen bases in 277 plate appearances. So you're talking about a guy who in a time when speed is kind of going out the window can give you 20 home runs and 10 stolen bases in a full season. Like mind you, he hasn't done that yet. But over that same period of time, he had a 335 expected WOBA and a 6.9% barrels per plate appearance. And so we all know that like Detroit uh, Tigers Stadium is the place where barrels go to die. We know that from Nick Castellanos and and Miggy Cabrera. But um, Jones has been a really solid player now for um, a little while. So if he can stay healthy, he's definitely a guy I think will be available like after pick 300 next year potentially. Um, you know, and, and so he would be a guy as sad it is, as it is that he's not going to be helping us this year. I think next year, he's definitely a guy in deeper leagues that I'm going to be looking at as, uh, as a part of my outfield moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I really liked what he was doing pretty much everything you're saying there. So, you know, 15 team leagues, especially he'll be a guy to keep an eye on in those four or five outfielder type leagues. There's a, a lot to like with the potential of a Jacoby Jones. So. That'll be quite interesting. Let's go to the Seattle Mariners. 
D Gordon activated from the IL and in 15 team leagues and everything, it should pretty much be wrapped up, but you never know. So check your waiver. That's why I want to bring this up because you look at fantasy pros and Yahoo, he's only on in 61% of leagues, ESPN and 71% of leagues. And one thing we know about D Gordon, regardless of, you know, he was hitting 280 on the year. So that's not horrible. He had 16 steals in 79 games. He's going to run and run a lot. So if you're looking for steals for the last, you know, five, six weeks of the season and you're in like a 12 team league, just check. You never know. D Gordon might be there. Do you have any thoughts on uh, D Gordon getting back? Not really. Like you said, I mean, stolen bases are, are scarce. He has been batting six since he's been back. And so it's a little bit of a tough spot for him. Like it's not as bad as towards the end of the lineup, but that's going to cost him a number of plate appearances. Not going to have a lot of guys in front of him. Not going to have a lot of guys hitting behind him in that weak Mariners lineup. So really he's a speed only option and you just need to be careful in Roto leagues. Like rostering a guy like Gordon can really zap your other categories pretty quickly. So just be, use him, you know, he might be a guy that I would stream against poor stolen base teams. Like take a look at who gives up the most stolen bases and kind of stream him when you think he might have an elevated opportunity to steal, but just be careful about, you know, especially with like the ball, the way it is and everybody hitting for power. Gordon still is not hitting for power. And so that can be, that can be a zap on your Roto categories if you're not careful. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, a move that took place, it's really probably not too fantasy relevant, but you never know. You had moments in recent years. It's not really recent years, but Joe Panic, uh, the Giants released him, which is kind of a sad time, but definitely a good business move. And the Mets have picked him up as another addition to the infield. Just kind of tells you more that uh, Lowry is probably not coming back anytime soon. But uh, Joe Panic's out there. I'd probably leave him out on the wire for now, but any, uh, any thoughts on Joe Panic? Um, yeah, I, you know, I was really hoping he would end up in a, in a, in a better park. Like he moves from AT&T to, um, <laughs> uh, city field, which is one of the worst, uh, pitcher parks as well. Um, the underlying metrics are really nice on panic. They always have been 24% O swing this year, a 94 in zone, 90% overall contact rate. And both of those numbers are elite. His hard hit rate is even around league average at 37% has a nice batted ball profile, just Ground ball is about league average, hits a ton of line drives, can help in batting average, but he's batting eighth in the lineup, 1.8% barrels per plate appearance, only seven barrels all year long. That's the major issue with him, and I don't think that's going to change, especially going where he's going. So definitely monitor him. He's super interesting, um, you know, just from like an overall skills perspective, but you're not going to get a lot of pop, and batting eighth in front of the pitcher in the NL, it's just not a great spot for him um for him to be in but you never know in the next year I, I don't know what the deal was that he signed with the Mets but um if he does end up in a in a more hitter friendly park I would be interested to see what he could do there yeah most definitely uh Tampa Bay Rays Yandy Diaz he's had a lot of good moments this year everybody was excited when he came over from the Indians but uh, he has a hairline fracture in his foot and in rehab he has a setback it's not going to require surgery the problem is it just needs time to heal. So putting him out there and rehabbing is not the answer. There's a good chance we don't see Andy for the rest of the year. Any thoughts on uh, Andy Diaz setback? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely unfortunate. He finally gets playing time and he's doing really well this year. And then this happens uh, from a skills perspective, like nobody will be surprised, but he was very good this year. Uh, I think the most encouraging thing for me, 7.6% barrels per plate appearance. That's well above league average it's a really nice number 25 percent o swing that's solid nice contact right around league average at 85 in the zone 79 outside the zone slightly better than league average there 42 percent hard hit rate 
His ground ball percentage was actually only down 2% this year. His fly ball percentage was up. Line drives tend to have the most variance in terms of batted balls. That's why I look at ground ball percentage versus fly ball percentage to determine whether somebody's like trying to hit the ball in the air more or actually being successful at hitting the ball in the air more. So I actually don't buy as much that 8% increase in fly ball percentage. I don't think there's been a massive change there, but he does hit the ball hard in the air when he does uh, do it. Um, And so I think he's another guy who heading into next year, put him in the kind of Jacoby Jones bucket of uh, injured toward down the stretch. And so the numbers overall over the course of the year, aren't going to look as good next year. I'm not sure whether in Diaz's case that will actually impact where his ADP is for next year, but it's worth, uh, worth monitoring because, you know, if you, uh, if you project out what he was doing um, this year over the course of a full season, he's a really nice, um, valuable guy. And I think that uh, the Rays lineup is going to be better next year, I think, than it is this year. Um, and so, you know, be on the lookout for him to see if there's maybe a little bit of a dip in in um, his ADP just because he wasn't out there playing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Might get a little bit of a value for Yanni because he was playing really, really well this year. So that was fun to see. The last piece of news we had with the Philadelphia Phillies, Jay Bruce came back from the IL for like a day and then he went back on the IL. Uh, the more curious thing I have, if you have anything on him, Adam Hazley's back up. There might not be regular playing time for him. I know he had his moments when he came up the first time uh, with the Phillies. Really hasn't done much in a couple of games since he's been back, but he was hitting around 270 with with a few home runs and limited playing time uh, with the with the Phillies. Anything on uh, Bruce and Hazley? Uh, not really. I mean, we all we'll always have the first couple months of the season with Jay uh, with Jay Bruce, right? I mean, when it looked like every single – he had like a 60% fly ball rate and everything he hit was going out. Um, Hazley, just like a very quick uh, look at him. Um, so far in his major league career, 95 plate appearances. The plate discipline is not great, 37% O-swing, so worse than league average. Contact at 87% in the zone, that's better than league average, but 70% overall. So really struggling when he chases the pit, uh, pitches outside the zone. Hard hit rate right around league average. High ground ball rate at 55%, not necessarily what you want to see. Uh, better than league average K rate, but only 3.2% walk rate. The stat cast data is not good. Uh, he's got a low max exit below and a low barrels per plate appearance. Um, looking at his uh, just his career minor leagues, I wouldn't expect uh, much power from what I see there. Um, you know, 11 home runs at single A and double A. Uh, in 2018 and about 500 plate appearances. So there's not much I see here, not speed, not power, not necessarily batting average. Um, So, you know, yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there's much to write home about. I think just like Corey Dickerson is obviously kind of in that role against right-handed pitchers. Um, Roman Quinn, I don't know if it impacts him, but he's at least been uh, interesting recently as a, as a speed option and a guy who's been actually, uh, hitting the ball decently well. so Yeah, and he has a, a mean fastball as well when he has to come out in the 15th inning. So <laughs> Roman Quinn, quite talented individual. Uh, let's talk about some players. Are they for real? Some guys that have played well the last couple weeks or maybe not played so well, but they've had my attention. They've had other people's attention. They've been popular ads uh, in this week and week prior, but we'll start it off with the, the Kansas City Royals lefty Mike Montgomery came over from the Chicago Cubs around the deadline. He's made five appearances. They had to stretch him out. But he's gone at least five innings in three of his last four. Um, you know, two in runs or less in three of his last four. 
seven Ks or more in two straight with the Royals, a four six three ERA, a three seven seven FIP, and a two nine nine X FIP. Um, and he's he's improved almost every time out. It seems like one way or another. What's your thoughts on Mike Montgomery? Because um, they're going to run him out there. They have no reason not to. And he's looked really good of late. And again, you mentioned it with many of these central teams, they're going to have some pretty nice matchups from time to time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you said, like that, that start against Detroit really stood out 20 swinging strikes on a hundred pitches. So 20% uh, swinging strike rate. I love it when they just throw a hundred pitches even because it just makes Perfect. figuring those out. We can just skip the calculator. Uh, 37% uh, called plus swinging strike rate. So really nice there. But when I take a look, like there's not much that that comes out at me as, as being all that different. There's no increase in velocity for him. He has increased his changeup usage, um, which, you know, it's a good pitch, but it's only got a 15% swinging strike rate, including uh, the last game. And so that's, you know, that's all right, but it's not uh, anything that's blowing anybody away. Um, so even if he increases the usage of that, I'm just not sure how much how effective he'll be overall. The season-long metrics are all below league average, the swinging strike rate, um, pretty much everything across the board except for the, his O swing at 34%, but he doesn't throw the ball in the zone a ton. He was pitching in relief a lot for the Cubs before he went over to the Royals and still only has an 11.8% K-minus walk rate, which is worse than league average. But like in 15-team leagues, you're super desperate for pitching. And like you mentioned, he does pitch in the AL Central. Um, so he's going on Friday, Friday, the Royals play the Mets. That's not necessarily a matchup that I would love just because the Mets are doing so well. Um, he will have Baltimore. It looks like next Wednesday, and then he'll have Oakland and Baltimore for a two-step after that. So he could potentially be a, a decent option here, but again, like uh, there's nothing to me that stands out other than the fact that he was playing Detroit and they're one of the worst offenses in the league. I think this is just something that happens sometimes when you play a really bad team like that. If I saw something like a velo improvement, you know, we are seeing a little bit of pitch mix change. So that gives me enough encouragement to maybe take a shot at him. But um, even like the Orioles, like, yeah, they're, the Orioles are really bad, but you know, like, do I really want to be going up against the, the, the Orioles, you know, for one start at Oriole Park or at, or, or at Camden Yards, excuse me, probably not. So I wasn't after him because I wasn't going to start him this week. I wasn't going to start him next week, but he could be interesting, you know, for that, um, uh, you know, the Oakland, Oakland, Baltimore, two starts at home. That could be potentially somewhat interesting. Yeah. Someone to keep an eye on for sure. Um, let's go to the man, the myth, the legend, Aristides Aquino. He had his eighth home run of the year tonight. He had three home runs um, on Saturday He's just mashing baseballs everywhere, hitting close to, you know, 450 plus right now. He can't be stopped at times, and he's breaking the stat cast metrics because uh, I didn't realize it. Maybe you did. When they say 118.3 miles per hour, that's as high as the stat cast goes. I saw Jason Glett talking about it. He might be hitting it harder than they can measure right now. When he hits home runs, they're impressive. What's your thoughts on Aquino? Because he was a massive fab acquisition this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, the StatCast, the StatCast data is, is like the talking point. I mean, he had another home run like today. Uh, so like you said, 118.3 miles per hour that he hit. Um, you know, there's only been 
I think two or three batted balls equal to or higher than that this year. Um, you know, so immediately he jumps into the 25, the top five of max exit below guys. He also, you know, he doesn't have a ton of bad balls. Um, he's got 21. Uh, but if you set, uh, set the marker at 20, he's got the highest barrels per plate appearance of anybody at 17.6 per plate appearance. And it's not particularly close. He's 3.5% ahead of people. So the StatCast data is real. And I mean, that's one of the, the things that's beautiful about StatCast data is it doesn't lie. And, you know, anybody who can hit the ball that hard is in elite territory just from a batted ball perspective. So, like, you know, if they're making contact, like, the possibilities are tremendous. Um, you know, not surprisingly necessarily, like, his underlying metrics aren't as good, right? He wasn't necessarily a heralded prospect. Uh, moment of truth here. I had Aquino on my 20-team dynasty last year. Um, and I dropped him, I think earlier this year, I also had, I also had Trent, Trent Grisham and a couple other guys, oh, Josh no. Rojas, uh, and I gave up on them. So don't trust me when I say anything about dynasty leagues. Um, <laughs> I got an eye for talent, but I'm also really good at trading them, um, or dropping them. Um, but, uh, you know, so the stat cast data is really, really good, but underlying metrics. So 43% O swing, that is not good. That's 12% worse than league average at chasing pitches outside the zone. You know, that, uh, that's, not, that's worse than you might anticipate. And again, it's a very small sample size for him. But, you know, during the minors, like he wasn't like a 2%, 3%, 4% walk guy, but he never, you know, he was more like a 6 to 8% uh, walk guy. So not great, um, you know, from like a plate discipline perspective. His contact so far, 80% in the zone, 69% overall. Both of those are about 5 to seven percent worse than league average so not terrible but not good the 62 percent hard hit rate is obviously terrific 24 percent ground ball rate is really encouraging um for him i know you know his swing change is well documented folks have talked about that he's been hitting the ball in the air more which is really really nice i'm a little surprised we didn't hear more about him because of the exit below potential like I'm just a little surprised that nobody was like, oh, well, you know, this guy may or may not be something good, but he can hit the ball really, really hard. Like, I, we, I didn't even hear any murmurs around that. And as a guy who can kind of come into the league and hit at one of the max exit velos of any batted ball throughout the course of the year, you thought you think you would have heard something a little bit more about that. So the Joey Gallo comps have already started coming because of, like, the elite quality of contact that he's able to make. Um, and I think that that's actually a really interesting just because Gallo hasn't, you know, the batting average has been really low, but in order to be fantasy relevant, he hasn't had to make a ton of contact. And I think Aquino, like the numbers in the minors were not as bad as Gallo's in the minors. Like I think Aquino shouldn't strike out quite as much as Gallo did, at least earlier on in his career, but he doesn't have as good a plate discipline as Gallo had. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as pitchers adjust, as he adjusts, just watching it. Uh, but like, I think you can't take away the stack cast data. Like that's not going anywhere. And I think that alone makes him, uh, somebody that needs, I mean, he obviously needs to be owned. Like he was going for buckets of money on fab this week. Like if you got him the week before you saved yourself a couple hundred dollars, like I literally haven't seen guys going for this much fab in a very long time. I think it's just people who are like, oh, I got a ton of fab left and I don't know what to use it on. I got to do something with it. <laughs> exactly. So I think just like Riley started off really hot, like Aquino has better batted ball quality numbers, but 
Um, I think I would expect something similar where pitchers adjust and he struggles for a little bit. He doesn't carry like, you know, the huge BABIP and the huge home run per fly ball rate. You know, that stuff is going to kind of normalize a little bit, but I think it's going to be much higher than league average just as a result of the quality of his batted ball stuff. So, um, you know, I'm super intrigued. I think everybody is. It's going to be really interesting to see how he develops, especially since he did not come up with, with a ton of hype. Yeah, a few things with the Aquino, and that's one of the big things. The hype thing makes a good point. Everyone thought about that. He was crushing it in the minors, Exavila-wise. He hit, like, close to 30 home runs, and there was really no buzz. Where we get buzz on everybody, it seems like. Like, hey, this guy is, you know, doing this, or he had this swing change, and we might see him sometime this year. Like, we hear about Nate Lowe every day, but the Rays don't even care about him. Yeah, we should. <laughs> but you got Aquino, who's, like, pretty darn good, and I, I never heard a darn thing about him until – maybe a week or so ahead of time. And then what bummed me out, it happened this week and it happened last week, not with Aquino, this week, Aquino last week. I had a bunch of bids in because I'm, I'm low on cash, like a buck, two, three dollars. And like he wasn't the top priority of those picks. So I didn't get him last week. Well, this week, of course, he wasn't going for a buck, two or three. And that comes to backfire. So we'll see which one's backfire that I didn't get this week. But um, I'll keep everybody posted on my losses there. But, um, yeah, the Aquino thing's interesting. I'm curious to see how long he can do it for. It's fun to watch. He is just destroying baseballs right now. But, you know, we've seen this time and time again, like Joe Riley and company. Hopefully, we're hoping for the best with Aquino, but we shall see. Another prospect that got the call here recently, he came over in the Shane Green trade. Some say the big piece of the trade is Travis Dimmerite. He uh, was a highly heralded prospect. Kind of scuffled in the minors. Last year didn't have a great year in the minors. Improved a bit this year, showing a little bit of pop, or a lot of pop in the minors, a little bit of speed as well. Um, and the Tigers are going to give him tons of runs. So he was an interesting guy. I know he got picked up in a lot of leagues. He had my attention. What are your thoughts on Travis Dimmerite? Um, I, I think it's actually a really appropriate transition from Aquino to um, uh, Demerite or uh, Demerit, however you say it. And he... Um, uh, he's interesting because he kind of came in with the hype of being a guy who really crushes the ball. And I mean, for good reason, he's, he, he's put up a ton of home runs. Um, he's been really interesting to me though, because of the, um, the plate discipline. So he actually hasn't hit the ball that well so far. Um, he's got a 4.4% barrels per plate appearance. His max exit velo is low at 105.6 miles per hour. Um, I think he's got, what does he have? Like, 45 plate appearances so far or something like that. Yeah. 45 Um, plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah. So still low, you know, and sometimes the batted ball quality comes after. Um, and, and a lot of times with these younger guys, I'm looking for those like fundamentals of the plate discipline contact combo. Um, you know, he's got, he's got a 21% O swing so far. So really, really nice eye. So in OVP leagues, he's going to be more valuable. He's had double digit walk rates, um, pretty much every year, at least recently. Um, you know, and, and the K rates have been high. Uh, they've been higher than um, than Aquino's were, I believe, in his minor league career. Uh, but the contact hasn't been that bad. 80 uh, in zone, 74 overall. So that 74 number, number that's just, it's about 2 two to 3% below league average for overall contact rate. So not bad at all for what I think we were expecting. You know, again, it's a small plate, uh, small sample size, so that could get worse. Um, 38% hard hit rate, red round league average, 38% ground ball rate, um, which uh, is actually slightly higher than his his minor league numbers. So I would expect that he's going to hit 
fewer ground balls, a few more fly balls as he kind of gets adjusted here. Um, but, you know, he's already stolen two, two stolen bases. He's got more stolen bases than home runs. Um, you know, he's definitely an interesting add, especially this week. He's actually a guy I added, I think, in one of my main events. I was lucky he was still around. But he's got um, Seattle for three, and that's going to be three lefties, I believe. I think it's um, – who is it? It's Kikuchi, Gonzalez, Long and Malone. Or yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah. So he's going to have three lefties. He's a right-handed batter, so hopefully he'll have a little bit of success there. And he also has uh, Tampa for three, you know, and, and you never know what you're going to get there, although it looks like it's Morton and then Yarborough, so two strong guys there, but another lefty. And then a two-be-determined, that'll probably be, um, well, I, I'm not quite sure who that is going to be, but, um, you know, so a decent a decent, uh, a decent, decent ad. He's a guy, like, if you're looking for somebody to maybe get what Nelson Cruz got, like, he's not going to get quite there, but he could be a decent um, add in terms of just like from a power perspective. So he's definitely interesting. Um, you know, it sucks being on the, on the tigers because their lineup is just so bad and it's one of the worst parks. Um, but I'm, I'm intrigued and I'm, I'm interested to see how he's going to do. How about you? I know you, you yeah. picked him up in barf, right? I think I got him in barf. Yeah. I know I, I, I had bids everywhere for all these guys. Oh man, you, you stole all my guys in barf, by the way, for those who I are, Really? Who, aren't li- who, are, who are listening for the first time, BARF is the Bay Area Rotisserie Fantasy League, uh, which is an industry league based uh, of folks who are in kind of Northern California slash the Bay Area. Um, but yeah, you got a bunch of guys on this list. Yeah, now, now you have my attention, so I have to pull this up. Um, we're we're going to play some uh, some pivoting off the podcast here for a second. Uh, oh, Let's no. See exa- I see exactly well, who you're well, talking about. While you're looking that up, I'd just like to say I own all the Blue Jays in that league. So I had Danny Jansen, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, uh, and Randall Gritchick going today. And so that's, Ooh, let's see. Big day. One, big day. two. I think that's just two home runs, but I think overall they probably hit like 700 with 10 RBI or something like that. Yeah, they scored 19 runs tonight, so you did pretty good there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you picked up Vinny V, our boy. Um, and what what the heck? Oh, it just reloaded on me. I got Mike Montgomery, Patrick Sandoval. Picked him yeah, up. I wanted Sandoval. I got him in, in all of my – I think I got him in all three of my, like, my two main events and, and TGFBI. I got him in TGFBI also for, like, three bucks. I was pumped on that. Yep. Um, you got Alex Young. You got Brandon Dixon. I like that Dixon play. He's pretty pretty sneaky good. I got Trent Grisham, who we'll talk about in a minute. I got Love Travis Grisham, yeah. Dimmerite. Yep, I was in and on both of them. I think that's it. God, Doug Thorburn got a Kino for one forty-one. I know, yeah. And like he you said, Doug's in, Doug's in uh, second or third, something like that. So really good yeah, team. It's like you said. It's like people, not just Doug, but just I saw it in other leagues. It's like people just needed to spend their money. It's kind of what it, oh, came, yeah. <laughs> it felt like it came down to. But yeah, you're in second place. You're half a point behind Sammy. Yeah, he's yeah. That's for, that, the league has been crazy. Like. There's been four or five teams that have just been like sliding in and out, going like 10 points up, 10 points down, like over the last couple of months. It's been, I mean, the number of league uh, lead changes in that league has been nuts. Yeah, I did that in a TGFBI on Sunday. I had an eight-point day. Um, wow. I got, I got a mess. I went from sixth to fourth. I'm not going to win the league because Kenneth Lee's crushing everybody in our league. But um, we're playing for second. We're, we're not giving up. But mm-hmm. uh, Colin Weatherwax sends me a DM. Yeah, nice, nice day, and he had a nice word behind it as well. So that was uh, I was just laughing. I'm like, it's okay. I'll give it all up here in a couple of days. Don't you worry. Yeah, but uh, it was fun. 
All right, let's go back to the fantasy aspects because people really don't care about our teams, even though we do. They um, do. They do. I know. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they do too. Uh, Trent Grisham, uh, he's one of the prospects for the Brew Crew. Got the call. He's got speed, a little bit of pop, hits for he's okay average of late, not throughout his whole career, but of late. Um, there, there's something to like here. Obviously, I gave him a shot uh, for cheap. What's your thoughts on Trent Grisham? Because like reports lately, they're really trying to limit Ryan Braun's playing time to keep him healthy right now. Yeah, um, I really like Grisham. You know, against righties, I think he's been hitting like first in the lineup. He was seventh recently, but I think that might have been against the lefties. So he may even be getting some playing time there. Um, he is super intriguing to me. Um, like I mentioned, I had him in di- a 20-team dynasty. It's an OBP, and he's always been stellar in OBP, and that's why I held on to him. But like it was just a roster crunch, and I needed to, to let go of somebody, and I made a terrible, terrible decision. Um, but 28% O swing, that's better than league average. He's had an elite walk rate in the minors, so I actually anticipate that that'll probably get better um, as he gets a little bit more comfortable with big league pitching, as he familiarizes himself with it. But he's also got nice contact skills, 86% in the zone, 85% um, overall, which tells me that you know he's able to kind of fight off some good pitches outside the zone. Um, which is, uh, which is, which is nice to see. And I think like anytime I see, you know, a new kind of rookie, um, in, in the majors, like I love, I love like it when they show really strong plate skills, because I think sometimes like, and this is just, I haven't done the research, but I think a lot of times, like, you know, the batted ball quality, like I mentioned before, like there's more variance in that because it just happens less than contact or like pitches outside the zone. And so you don't really get as good a read of it as early on. But if a guy is showing really strong plate discipline, really strong contact skills, like I think that's just such a solid foundation to build off of, not only for this year, but moving forward. So I'm really intrigued. He hasn't elevated the ball a ton, a 42% ground ball rate, so right around league average. But like throughout his minor league career, um, he had like, uh, like this year, he had a 30% ground ball rate. He's normally had a 45% fly ball rate most years. And so I do anticipate that that's going to go down. 25% 25% hard hit rate is very low. Only one barrel, 103.6 mile per hour max exit velocity. So the so like the quality of contact hasn't necessarily been there so far. Um, but still, like I love the plate skills. I think he can get there. And there's no reason, especially with the reduced drag ball, like why he can't, you know, um, kind of improve on that batted ball quality. So he's a guy that I really like longer term. Um, you know, this year, like I'm hoping that he can kind of um, start striking the ball a little bit more like he was doing in the minors, but uh, just the plate skills, having those, they should keep the average reasonable and the OBP reasonable uh, to make him a definite guy in like 15 team leagues. I think in 12 team leagues, he's definitely worth a shot too. And you can't ask for much more than playing half your games in Miller park. Like I think it's just, it's such, such a hitter's haven, especially left-handed batters. So um, I like him a lot. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling about him? I know you picked him up in, in bar and probably yeah. some other leagues. Yeah, I, I do like him a lot. I like the fact, like you said, he, he plays in Miller Park. He's going to be leading off for a pretty potent offense most of the time. They've had their ups and downs, really weird streaks with the Brewers this year. But when they're clicking, I like it a lot. He'll get to play in Wrigley. He'll get to play in um, Great American Small Park. I, I like a lot to do with him. And it's one of those guys that, I'm not going to say similar to Jacoby Jones, but the idea they can get a little bit of power and you can get some steals. Like, you can get a little bit of both. It's the best mm-hmm. of both worlds. You're not sacrificing certain stats by just adding a guy. He's going to help you a little bit of everywhere, especially leading off for that offense. So I was a fan of his. I wanted him more than I wanted Dimmerite. I wanted a little bit of both because I think there's potential there. 
obviously I think Grisham for me is, is ahead, ahead of Demerite, but um, both were kind of the fun acquisition. That's, that's why I kind of wanted to bring them up. I didn't want to, or this, this list of players, I didn't want to put too many kind of, you know, guys that have played well for a long time. I wanted kind of more of a, what guys are hot right now that as the season's coming closer to them, we need to make decisions quickly. Like what can we see quickly to, if we need to go grab these guys? Cause uh, 15 team leagues, most of these guys we talk about are probably gone, but a lot of guys have played in 12 teams and 10 leagues, which is super common, like way common. Before I started doing TGFBI, I never played 15 teams. Um, they're probably sitting there on your waiver wire and they're worth debating if you need certain uh, pieces. Like we talked about last week, like look at your team, look at what stats you need. Like a guy like Trent Grisham, he might not, you know, go steal 20 bags like a Malik Smith or something, do something crazy, but he might get you, you know, five to 10 steals if he really catches fire, get you a few home runs, score some runs, not kill your average, little things like that, which could be big towards the end. Yeah. All right. I want to hear your, uh, your talk here. I know you mentioned you picked him up because you thought he had a two-step this week. He should be <laughs> potentially two-stepping next week. I wrote this before I knew the whole change in the rotation. Um, yeah. So I assumed he was two-stepping this week. But Dylan Peters, he – you weren't the only one. There's a lot of guys that were, were pretty high on him this week, mainly because of the two-step. But there's still – you don't grab every two-step pitcher just because they two-step. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, have, draw, you, you, get, you pick up every mediocre two-step. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I want, I want to hear what, what you saw here because obviously you saw something. You're not going to pick him up if there wasn't anything. It's just for me, and I probably talked about it on this show and other shows, is I need a guy that strikes guys out, and he's not a huge strikeout guy for me. So – that kind of scares me off of him. But again, 15 team leagues, two starts is huge. You had the Pirates tonight. That's what you thought you were getting. What is it you see in Dylan Peters? Uh, I saw a two start week against <laughs> Pittsburgh and the White Sox, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I don't want to. That's like, fair. That's fair. That's and totally I mean, the fair. problem with next week is it's so tempting because he gets Texas for one. And that's nice because the Texas lineup is just. It's just gotten so much, I think, worse than it was uh, before. Um, so it, he's got, he's got, he's going to have Texas, but it's at Texas, but then it's at Houston is the second part of the two step. And I'm just not sure if I can do that. Like my ratios are pretty good in some of these leagues and I'm like going for the wins and the, and the K's and, and whatnot, but that seems just like a bad idea. So we'll see. But um, so Peter's, uh, for the season, 27.8 CSW. That's slightly worse than league average. Like, he's totally mediocre. 9.3% swinging strike rate, slightly worse than league average. 86.8% Z contact, slightly worse than league average. O swing better than league average at 33%. Zone percentage worse than league average at 39%. First pitch strike rate worse than slightly worse than league average at um, 60%. And then he get, he's slightly worse than league average in terms of the percent of his pitches that are balls. Um, you know, he's got one decent pitch in his changeup, 17.4% swinging strike rate. He has been throwing that more recently, up to 18% of his pitches over his last five games. But I was really targeting the two-step. Um, and I'm actually, I am starting him this week against the Pirates for the season. The Pirates have the worst um, uh, WRC plus uh, and WOBA, I believe, against left-handed yes. pitchers. And so I think, yeah, they're bad versus lefties. So I did end up sticking with him. It was like in one league, that was my only option in another league. um, I went with a guy that we're going to choose later. I went with Hauser over Peters, but like I I chose Peters over Norris who was at Tampa Bay. Um, I actually tried to get rid of him, but like, I don't know for NFBC, like, you know, you have all the conditional bids, but like, 
Yep. If a guy goes in as a conditional bid in an earlier bid, then it doesn't go through the whole list that you have. Like you have to keep on setting like it over and over again. And I didn't do that because I was, I was, I had a very limited time this weekend uh, to do a lot of my um, fabbing. And so, um, you know, so I went with, with Peters over, over Norris, but that's not saying much necessarily because Norris just hasn't been that, that good after giving us some glimmers of hope. So I think he's like in a 15 team league, like he's your SP six or seven at this point in time. Um, so he's fine. Um, but he's, there's nothing, there's nothing I'm interested in him about other than the two steps. Yeah. And the pirates, like you said, are bad versus lefties, except lefties named Jose Suarez, apparently. Yeah. Um, well, Suarez, we talked about a couple weeks ago and he was actually showing some really good signs, but in his last outing, I think he didn't even strike out a single guy. Yeah, it wasn't. And pretty. that raised a little bit of a red flag for me. And that's why I had Peters above Suarez. Um, but, you know. And, uh, while, and, while you, and while you're talking about Peters, uh, Josh Bell just went deep again. So that's three homers in two games. Right. We, we might get a few weeks of Josh Bell, which would be outstanding. It's crazy, though, right? They're like, okay, we're going to give you a few days off before the St. Louis series, and maybe that'll fix it. And. Well, it looks like sometimes that fix it. Sometimes you just got to clear the head. That Maybe simple. Um, let's talk about a guy that, you know, in years past, he's been a fun later round fantasy asset. This year, Kyle Seeger just really hasn't got it going. Well, until July 22nd, when he's all of a sudden hitting 16 of his last 17 games with uh, nine extra base hits, five home runs. He has a 333 average and a 437 Woba over that period. He's hitting righties. He's hitting lefties. He's been a very serviceable piece of this Mariners lineup. And I know it's not a flashy name. We went all, we just went through a bunch of fun young players. This is Kyle Seeger. Now we've talked about a lot of needs on teams. Do you have any interest in a guy like Kyle Seeger the rest of the way? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, super deep leagues, but like you mentioned, you know, he's been hitting really well recently. If you look at his Woba versus expected Woba, he's got a 494 Woba and a 305 expected Woba over the last two weeks. So that tells you that, you know, the expected quality of contact. And by the way, I I can't tell whether you can hear my youngest uh, yelling. uh, It's okay. He doesn't like Kyle Seeger either. It's okay. For sure. Um, But uh, just in case you can, uh, my youngest is in bed. He should have been in bed a while ago, but uh, we were driving home and he got like a couple hours of sleep on the drive home. And so now he's like wired late at night, um, <laughs> which is always fun. I, uh, it's just something, but Kyle Seeger has been super lucky. 29% O swing. Uh, so this year he's got a 29% O swing, 89% in zone, 79% uh, overall contact rate. Those are both solid numbers. Those are better than league average. They're quite good. Actually 31% ground ball rate, 37% hard hit rate. Only a 5.8% barrels per plate appearance. That's right around league average. His contact rate has surged recently, so he's been putting the ball in play a lot. And sometimes when you do that, you do get lucky like he um, has been. But like I don't see any changes to the overall kind of who Kyle Seeger has become. And that is a guy who has some skills that are pretty intriguing, but um, just uh, does not have the quality of contact anymore. I mean, if you look at him so far this year for the full season, so like in a broader sample size, um, taking out the very lucky small sample, he's hitting 224, 11 home runs, 
30 runs, 28 RBIs, and 260 plate appearances. So even if you were to multiply that by a little bit more than two, like you're talking about a guy with less than 70 runs, less than like around 60 RBI, you know, a little over 20 home runs, which is nothing these days, and then a batting average and an OBP that's going to hurt you and no speed. So like in the grand scheme of things, yes, like when he has a good, you know, little run at a, at a nice matchup, maybe you stream him for a week, but like, uh, you know, everything being said, so like this week, so Seattle has at Detroit for three and at Toronto for three. So that's a good example of like a week that I would love to plug him in for. Um, but like outside of that, I don't think he's worth much, even in 15 team leagues. Would you rather have Kyle Seager or Corey Seager? I haven't even been tracking Corey Seager. He's all he's he's, <laughs> just say he's always just say on my do not draft list yeah. just because like he doesn't provide much power and he doesn't yeah. provide much speed and he provides more time on the IL than anything. Let's see. Oh, 265, only nine jacks. He's not been good. He's not been good. Yeah. Yeah, let's no. see. Yeah, worse. His play discipline has regressed considerably. His contact skills are down four percent as well. Yeah. So um yeah. Just say it's neat it's neither. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go Seagerless. No, I've I've taken a lot of. Uh, I was wrong on guys. I will definitely lay the flag, and I told everyone, do not draft Corey Seager. Uh, remember all the hype he had coming into draft season? I never understood it. Couldn't understand yeah. it at all. And then so glad at least I got I got something right. I'm just going to go with that yeah. one. I got something right. <laughs> you get um, it. right, Bubba. Don't show yourself. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, JD Davis. This is one I saw his stat cast numbers a long time ago. He just wasn't getting regular playing time. And they stood out to me because I think in Barf even, I had him on my roster like two or three different times, like real cheap. Of course, I never have these guys like Mike Talkman I had at times and others when it matters. I don't have them when it matters. But I, I'm, I'm ahead and I give up too fast. But he's uh, hit in seven of his last eight games. He's hit four home runs over those eight games. Like, like I said, he's a stat cast darling. Uh, what do you have on J.D. Davis who looks like he's playing every day with um, – with uh, Dom Dom Smith out of the lineup in left field right now. Yeah, you know, um, so J.D. Davis, like you said, the stat cast metrics on him are terrific. Um, his He's got an 8% uh, barrels per plate appearance, 114.7 mile per hour max exit velo. So he's not quite part of that illustrious 115 mile per hour club, but I'm sure he will get there. Um, you know, there's only 30 players, or at least there was the last time I checked, there's probably 31 now that, uh, Aquinos is there. Um, but let's see. So, uh, guys who have hit the ball 115 miles per hour. Um, so there's 29 of them. Um, well, this is with 20 batted ball or, or fewer, but JD Davis is like right there. He's 33rd in terms of max exit velo, which is really nice. Eight percent barrels per plate appearance is really nice. And then he's also got a really nice, when you look at it, uh, per batted ball event. So anyways, like you said, he's really good from the StatCast data. He's also very patient, 26% O swing. Uh, that is terrific. 78% in the zone, 76% overall in contact. So worse in the zone, but uh, about even overall from league average. He does hit a ton of ground balls, 49% ground ball rate. Uh, that's not good. That's well above league average, but put a little pin on that because I think that's the major difference that we're seeing with him recently. 42% hard hit rate, um, 8%, uh, like I mentioned, barrels per plate appearance. Um, but if you look at his last 30 games, that O swing is at 22%. So uh, borderline elite plate discipline. 
The contact rate is steady. Again, that hasn't changed. The hard to hit rate is up 7%, up to 49% over his last 30 games. But the ground ball rate is down 7% to 42%, which is right around league average. But that, I think, is the key for him, like, is that everything is there for him to be a very strong contributor. Um, that ground ball rate going down and him hitting the ball in the, in, in, in the air is one of the ways that he can really increase the volume of fly balls and, and the number of home runs that he hits and the power that he hits for. And over the last two weeks, you know, 456 Woba, 460 expected Woba, those are awesome numbers. He's just been crushing it. If you have him in your lineup, then you are very, very happy. I would continue to do that because I think that combination of like elite plate discipline, fine contact skills, and then that stack ass data is, is awesome. Um, that's, that's, it, you know, it's not the best thing you can have because the contact rate could be higher, but it's pretty close because when he does make contact, it's really, really strong contact. And can you imagine if he was still in a Houston Astros uniform? Like this, this the talent level that just spews out of that that organization is ridiculous, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. But uh, yeah, JD Davis, fun one. And I imagine even when Smith comes back, he might just force Todd Frazier out of third base. That kind of seems it's going to be hard to keep JD Davis out of the lineup, basically. So. Lots to like there. Let's go to the St. Louis Cardinals. Old man Wainwright. This is a guy I wanted really nothing to do with this year. I wanted to get your opinion on how, you know, he's been a quality start machine with some really good starts, a couple blowups here and there. But it got my attention with uh, Matt Thompson of FWFB was tweeting out after his last start on Saturday. And he said flat out he was wrong. Like they wanted Wainwright to, they wanted Wainwright not to come back. They wanted to retire and he was very, very wrong. And now they're like, can he come back for one more year? Um, what are you seeing with Wainwright? Because he's sneakily still available on a lot of waiver wires. Uh, I don't see anything, to be honest with you. Like, I really Thank wanted you. to see something. Because, um, uh, you know, earlier on this year, like before the drafts, like I actually thought he was a little bit sneaky because he increased his curveball rate uh, towards the end of last year and some of the strikeout numbers increased. So I have him in a lot of like uh, draft champions leagues where you could get him like ground pick. 500 or whatever it was um so uh but like everything is below league average with uh wainwright so like he doesn't get swinging strike rate he doesn't get swinging strikes he doesn't get people to swing and miss up pitches in the zone his csw is below league average um he gives up you know like his control metrics aren't very good either um you know, there's just really nothing to like. Uh, when you look at his last five games, even, he's got a 362 Woba, a 323 expected Woba. He's got a 323 expected Woba for the season. Um, you know, and again, like that's about league average. But when you factor in like who's fantasy relevant or not, like he's a guy that I would lump into this category of people that I kind of like, if they've got a decent two start, or if I'm super desperate in a very deep league, like, you kind of put them in your lineup and hold your nose and just kind of hope that shit doesn't hit the fan. You know, like that's what you're kind of mm -hmm. hoping happens. Like, okay, so I've got his numbers in front of me right now. You know, over the course of the season, a 435 ERA, a 141 whip. You know, he's got a 7.8% swing strike rate. That's 10, that's, that's 3% worse than league average. Um, he's got a 57.6% first pitch strike rate. That's worse than league average. Zone percentage is right around league average at 42.4%. His in-zone contact rate is 89.1%. So that's like having somebody who's 4% better than league <laughs> average at making contact on pitches inside the zone. 
like as a hitter that you would love to see that number. He doesn't get folk, folks to chase at pitches outside the zone, 25.8%. Uh, o swing, so 5% worse than league average. Like he's horrendous. And like whatever he's done, like uh, 3.68 walks per nine. Uh, I love this. You know, he's, he is limiting home runs compared to league average at 1.13. And I'd say that that's probably his saving grace because everything else is worse than league average. And so, yes, is he like a serviceable SP5 in today's game as a starting pitcher in uh, for a major league team? Probably, but is he good at all? No. Outstanding. That might be one of the better player profiles I've heard you mention because it was just straight, nope, 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 nope. This is really bad. Nope, nope, nope. That was outstanding because I, I, I couldn't figure it out, but I saw multiple people, and Cardinals Twitter can be tough. I think it's yeah. really tough. They were like praising Wainwright. I'm sitting there going, I play a lot of DFS. I have to talk about him a lot. And usually I talk about stacking against the guy. And more often than not, it feels like it pans out. So what am I missing here? Is there something below the surface that I'm missing? And that's what the uh, the expertise of yourself brings out on this. And the fact you couldn't find anything made me feel a lot better about what I was looking at because, yeah, I, 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 was, I was baffled. Yeah, and, and, in, and in looking at, at things like the um... – you know, at like rolling five and three game averages and stuff like that, there was nothing that jumped up. He's been remarkably consistent, which I think is something to be said. And I think the reason why you probably see Cardinals fans kind of being super excited. And again, like this is, I think the the place where it's different to be a real life fan than it is to be a fantasy baseball fan is like, if you look during the period of time that the Cardinals have been super hot, you know, like, so since, uh, since the start of June, the number of earned runs he's given up in his starts, zero, three, three, two, two, zero, seven, four, one, three, one, right? So out of all those starts, like you'd only classify two as being bad starts. And I'm guessing like, you know, yeah, he's won one, two, three, four of those games. He doesn't go very deep, but like, if you look at the number of hits he's giving up per game, it's like he had a great start back on the second, but since then it's like seven, six, Seven four four nine five five six six walks two three three four zero one three one 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 seven like you know like that's man he walked seven guys in a game that's nuts <laughs> I so can like walk seven you know again like generally speaking he's been consistent he'll have his blowups but he's consistently distributed the runs that he's given up and he's managed like let's let's actually let me just check one thing real quick. Um, uh, well, the strand rate isn't, isn't, isn't totally out of whack. So yeah, I mean, he's just been consistently mediocre. Nice. Consistently mediocre. Adam Wainwright. All there right. La- last player breakdown here. You mentioned you grabbed him in a lot of your leagues and he's been sneaky good. A couple blowups here and there, but for the most part, pretty good. Some nice strikeout upside. Adrian Hauser of the Milwaukee Brewers team. That's really looking for some starting pitcher stability and, Maybe Hauser can be that guy. What did you see when you dug in on him? Um, I think um, uh, for Hauser, what was interesting is, I don't know where I got in my head. I got in my head that the last time he was in the rotation, that his velocity um, really struggled. And that doesn't seem to have been the case. I don't know what it, what it was, but his velocity has been, has been held. It's held steady. He's averaged in the three games that he's started since rejoining the rotation, he's averaged 95 miles per hour on the fastball, which is very, very solid. 
Um, he's got great skills. He's got a 13.8% swinging strike rate in those three games. His in-zone contact rate is at 79.7%. That is awesome. He's got a 67% first pitch strike rate. That's great. 40% in the zone. That's not terrific, but he's got a 35% O swing, and that's really, really good. And so you combine all of that, those are elite numbers that he's been putting up in that three-game rolling um, in the three games since he's been back. His velocity, as I mentioned, has held um, uh, steady. So uh, it's actually gone uh, slightly up. Uh, so he's at, it was at 95 exactly last start, and then he was at like 94.7, 94.6, the two starts before um, that. And so really, really um, you know, nice stuff there from like a velocity perspective. He doesn't have any pitches that are overwhelmingly good, but I think the key to him being successful in this instance and this is like a message for all you kids out there learning how to pitch. Like if you're going to do one thing, don't throw a sinker would be number one. Yes. Uh, and if you already throw a sinker, throw it less because he has decreased his sinker usage since it peaked at about, it peaked at 49% of his pitches in late July. And that includes a good stretch of when he was a, a starter last. And now it's down all the way at uh, 31 and a half percent. Um, over the last uh, three games. Um, and that's what you got to do. Throw your worst pitch less. It's all the way down at 25%. If you go one game, he's just decreasing the usage of it every single um, time. And then he's replacing that um, with, uh, you know, his forcing fastball is all the way up to 36% of his pitches. And that is going to be beneficial from a strikeout perspective. And also I would guess, and I'm making a guess that it, Let's see, his zone percentage on his sinker is 49.7% and his four-seam 45. So that that's maybe why that you see the zone percentage going down a little bit. But his four-seam fastball is a 12.6% swinging strike right on it. That is absolutely phenomenal. So just increase the usage of that. Decrease your sinker, which has an 8.9% swinging strike rate. Folks are going to make less contact with that pitch. And then you, you throw in the slider and the changeup, which aren't great pitches, but they're good enough and you have yourself um, a strong pitcher and like having that strong fastball uh, is just so, so, so valuable. And so he's a guy that I picked up um, in a bunch of different places. Um, and I'm hoping, I mean, he's a guy that I think I want to have in there pretty much every single, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that I feel comfortable starting at this point in time against anybody. I have him in there at the Nats, um, you know, this week, hopefully Juan Soto is out until after that game. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Hauser is a guy that I really like moving forward. He's showing me skills. Um, let's see his CSW. I don't have it up in front of me right now, but I want to say it was top 20 over the last, uh, few weeks. Um, oh yeah. So I actually, I do have it here. Let's see since, since July 19th, um, it's at 33.1%. Um, which is absolutely terrific. And his percent of pitches that are balls is below league average. Um, so um, I think that that is, I think that's great. And it's funny. I know it's a different player, but uh, you mentioned throw the sinker less. It just goes, it's just, I saw a tweet earlier today and it goes to show with uh, the Astros and their logic. Uh, so they, they got Joe Biagini, a part of the, um, Mm -hmm. The deal, um, I can't remember who, who it's for now, but um, with the Blue Jays, he was throwing his uh, sinker almost 45% of the time and his four seam fastball 5% of the time. 
since he's been with the Astros, he throws his sinker about eighteen or about eight percent of the time, and the fastball's up to forty three percent. Complete switch, basically, on what was going on, and he's been outstanding for the Houston Astros. Surprise, surprise. Absolutely. You know, and maybe it's a new voice telling him. I mean, like, right, the Astros have such a good reputation that if they tell you something, it's a little bit different than maybe if the Blue Jays tell you to do something. Because, you know, I've heard, like, since then that folks in the Blue Jays organization have said that they were, like, pushing Sanchez to have a different pitch mix, too. Like, and he just wouldn't do it. But then when the Astros tell you something, like, you kind of do it because they know what they're talking about. But, like, it's just situations like that. Like, we talked about Hauser three weeks ago or three or four weeks ago, I think. Yep. And I was like, no, thank you. Like, this, I'm not interested at all in this guy. Yep. And then, like, a pitch mix changed later, and he's awesome. And I think that's – this would be my fantasy advice, especially for people in, like, 15-team leagues, but even 12-team leagues is, like, monitor, like, the last two to three starts. Like, your 14-game – roll, your 14-day rolling averages, your – like two weeks, like over the last two weeks, what are people looking at and, and see like if there are changes in their pits and pitch mix or changes in velocity that we're not noticing, right? Like Reynaldo Lopez went from like the worst pitcher in the league, literally in the first half to being a fantasy relevant guy because he increased velocity by two miles per hour. I have no idea how he did it, but he did it. Like Hauser decreases his sinker usage by 20%. And all of a sudden it makes him an entirely different pitcher because of the way that pitches that different different uh, pitches work off of his new pitch mix, you know, and because he's throwing his worst pitch less or the one that generates the most contact. And so that's what you need to be doing because I think about now is like, number one, like players are always doing this, but number two, like maybe guys are, their teams are out of contention. And so they're playing around a little bit as much as they can in, in like a real world situation with changing around with their pitch mix or trying a new pitch. And so guys that have never been fantasy relevant can kind of, hop onto your radar, especially in those deeper leagues where like, you're just scrounging for it. I mean, like my, I'm in a, in one of my main event leagues, I am, um, I am currently, uh, uh, let's see, I'm in first place in one of my main event leagues, knock on wood. And like the back end of my starting rotation, like these are my starters this week, Dylan Peters, Adrian Hauser, Drew Pomerantz, Patrick Sandoval, you know, Liam Hendricks, Mike Miner, Alex Colme, Lucas Giolito, and Garrett Cole. Like, those ones are good. But like, literally, I have, like, three pitchers I trust. And, like, the rest of them are just guys like Sandoval. Like, he didn't pitch great against the Red Sox. He's one of the best offenses in baseball. He still had a high swinging strike rate. Like, he absolutely dominated in his, in his first start. Like, those are the – like, I have three – I have two guys in there that are literally, like, I would have had no interest in a week ago. But after watching what they were able to do in a couple starts, like I'm willing to roll the dice on them. So I think that's like an example of like, you know, like things can change really quickly and they might be crappy or I see a different change in them. And like you just move on because right now you're just it's like that part of the fantasy season that I love where like on offense and in pitching, you're just trying to grind out everything that you can. And if you're lucky, like your ratios are in a good spot that can handle that moving forward. It's all about churning and burning the rest of the way. Absolutely. And uh, that leads us into our weekly fab review. Most of these guys we've talked about either this week or last week, but uh, like the main guys in my league, and if you have something different, shoot my way. But uh, like Mike Talkman, we talked about last week. Aristis Aquino, we talked about tonight. Travis Dimmerite. Um, we've we already talked about Jose Suarez. Talked about Melanson, um, Dylan Peters. Ian Happ is one we didn't really talk about, but he's been swinging it really, really well 
since coming up from the Cubs. I got him for $3, dropped Robel Garcia. Mm-hmm. We talked about Patrick Sandoval, Trent Grisham. Another guy, Kobe Allred, I uh, grabbed him for like a dollar uh, in TGFBI just to see what he's got going. Um, somehow Colin Posh was available in our league. Someone drafted him apparently. Interesting. But uh, those were the main ones, I guess, that and um, Derek Locke, because he might get some saves opportunities with the Jays, with uh, Giles maybe being out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's a lot of the same thing that I have. One thing on Patrick Sandoval, like, we didn't um, go deep on him. Like, he's definitely got some control um, issues. <laughs> 14% walk rate, um, 5.59 walks per nine. Um, and that, let's see, uh, that was an issue for him in the minors, um, as well, not to the same extent necessarily, but it could just be that he's, um, picking a little bit, but 13.1% swinging strike rate in zone contact rate is down below 80% at 79.2%. That's really good. Uh, he's got 28% K rate. Um, so, and he's been unlucky 33, 333 BABIP, uh, 66.2% left on base percentage, 12 Ks and nine and two thirds innings. And remember like he, he went against the Red Sox in one game. Let's see. He went against the Red Sox and he was at the Red Sox and at Cincinnati. So not too, you know, like uh, medium to very tough matchups. And he was able to put that together. So if Patrick Sandoval is available, I think there's definitely some risk, but definitely be looking there. I think you mentioned Hap. He was a guy that I really wanted to get, but I just don't have any more FAP. Um, Aaron, uh, Savale was actually available in our TGFBI. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I guess nobody went after him for that uh, nice two start that he had. Um, but you know, he's actually, actually looking at the, looking at the underlying metrics or not. While you're looking at those, the reason why he wasn't available in my league is I picked him up the first time he was up and I, like every report said he'd be up soon. So I held on to him. And it finally paid off. I, I I kept getting so close to dropping him, but I'm like, oh no, he'll get his spot. He'll get his spot. I'm glad I waited now because he's been outstanding, and I didn't have to pay for him a second time. But that's why he yeah. wasn't available in my league. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, yeah, there were some surprising guys actually on our on our on our waiver wire. I think it's getting to that point of the season where like people are feeling the urgency, you know. And so if a guy's like out or hasn't been performing, the 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 leash may be a little bit shorter. Um, but uh, one guy we talked about a few weeks back was Alex Young. Um, he's actually been surprisingly good recently, 32.1%. Yeah, he ha- the outcomes haven't been great, but he's got a 32.1% CSW over the last uh, few weeks. And he's also got um, his walk percentage is below um, league average as well. Let's see, what is it? Uh, yeah, it's like right around league average. So that's super interesting. He, he goes up against SF this week. And then I think he's got a two-step where he has, um, I want to say it's Colorado, but in Arizona. Yeah, and then it's at Milwaukee. So the at Milwaukee start is a little tough. Um, but the one against Colorado and the one against San Francisco, obviously, like uh, both of those are, um, are decent starts. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, there's anybody of interest. Oh, one guy that I'd be really interested in, not this week because they're going up against a bunch of lefties, is G-Man Choi. Last year, you'll remember, I think he went through like a two-week period or like a month where he was just off the hook. His numbers recently have been really, really, really good. He's been and leading so off, if, too. Yeah, if, if, if Tampa is going up against some righties, like, let me see. I actually, I think I had him to, let's see. So, Choi, 
Um, I'm just going to look at his 30 game uh, or his 15 game rolling average here just really quick because like the numbers were really, really good. Like his hard hit rate was above 60%. So let's see what we got. So yeah, hard hit rate is at uh, over his last 15 games is at 47%. The O swing is way down at 21%. Ground ball rate is down as well from earlier this year at 38%. And then his contact is normally good. It's right around league average. Um, but, um, I think more recently he's been like even better than that. Um, so against right-handed bats, yeah, his hard hit rate is at 60% over the last seven games. Um, and his, his contact rate is also elevated. So let's see the Rays play, um, they've got like San Diego, then they have Detroit, then they have Seattle, but then they got like Baltimore, they got Houston, who's mostly righties, Cleveland. So they've got Baltimore, uh, for two series in the next like six and a bunch of bad ones. So, you know, see who they're, who they're going, but like they could be really good. Clay link uh, picked him up and obviously clay is uh, just an incredible player. It's pretty um, good. Oh man. He's like, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's down a little bit, I think, but he was like up to number three or number two overall uh, in TGFBI out of the champions league. And after winning last year, which is just, you know, remarkable consistency and just remarkable everything really. Yeah, right now he's in seventh. Yeah, he's in seventh right now. Jose Ozuna is another guy that I was targeting a little bit less low, you know, a little bit more low key targeting, but he's been good when he's been given an opportunity and he's been playing nearly every day with the Pirates. Uh, Derek Fisher, like he's obviously been a joke because of what, uh, what, the Astros were able to get in return for him, but he is in deeper leagues. Like he's going to get playing time. They're going to give him a shot. And I think he's a decent power speed um, guy there. Um, and that lineup is obviously really, really fun to watch. I mean, just going to be a joy to watch for the next um, while. Um, a lot of the guys that we covered as well. Oh, Jace Peterson is a guy that I targeted a bunch uh, this week. I think I've mentioned him on the show. Um, uh, before, uh, he has been pretty unlucky so far this year. He had a big, uh, differential between his, uh, WOBA and expected WOBA, um, uh, a little while back, uh, but he's got some speed, um, this season, he's got four stolen bases and 62 plate appearances, 254 batting average, two home runs. Um, he's playing every single day for the Orioles and he's been a guy who's walked a lot and strike, strike, struck out. Not very much um, throughout his major league career. His hard hit rate is up 10% uh, so far. Um, and he was hitting the ball more in the air, um, at least in the minors. He hasn't necessarily been doing that in the majors yet, but he's a guy that I'm interested in just because I think he's going to get everyday plate appearances and he's a little bit of a power speed um, combo with Jacoby Jones um, no longer uh, being, um, uh, being relevant. Um, so Peterson is a guy that I got in pretty much every single league. Uh, so, and then let's see, I think that's about it of interesting guys. One thing to note today, Jacob Stalling hit another home run. Um, and he's been playing really well and really eating away at Elias Diaz's, um, opportunities, which is really sad for me because I, uh, I do have him, um, Elias Diaz, in a few places. So that might be something that's interesting to watch. I haven't uh, dove into Stallingsworth, but that's just something that I noted is how much he's been playing recently and that he's actually got a decent batting average. 
We're going to have to watch out also. Um, Francisco Cervelli's rehabbing, and now he's rehabbing as a catcher again. Okay, he's back as a catcher. Yeah, so let's keep an eye on that. Yeah. yeah, that's one of those ones where sometimes you just like plug people in and you kind of forget yeah. that they exist there, and then you look at their numbers and you're like, crap, yeah. I cannot believe that I've um, that I've been playing this guy for this long. But yeah, fairly like a fairly fun weekend fab, I feel like, but more so for the the lower value pickups. Yeah, that's kind of the way I saw it when I was filling out my bids. I put a lot of like one to three dollar bids out there. And they're kind of interesting names that I was excited for the idea of. And uh, we'll see how it all pans out. But um, that'll wrap us up for Bubba and the Bat Flip Episode 4. Another fun one in the books, talking some fantasy baseball. Uh, Any final thoughts as we head into another week of action? No, I think we've got, I think, seven more weeks in the season. So I think just keep on grinding, keep on you know, rotating those rosters, getting those good matchups in, identifying those guys who may be having a strong last couple months of the season. And uh, best of luck to everybody in their fantasy baseballing. Yep, that's the name of the game. Keep grinding. Don't give up. It's football season for many, but uh, take advantage of that and uh, move up the standings. Finish with some respect. That's the way I look at it. Uh, don't don't give up. Grind, grind, grind. But until next time, you can find Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I am at BD Intric, and we'll catch you guys next time. This was Bubba and the Batflip, episode four. That is going to wrap us up for episode 90 of the Batflip Crazy podcast and episode two of the Bubba and the Batflip, or episode four of the Bubba and the Batflip uh, podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's kind of crazy to think we've done. Uh, uh, 90 episodes so far. I remember the first episode, gosh, I think it was like Wilson Contreras and Manny Margot or something like that way, way uh, back in the day. And then by that, I mean last year, last June, but it's been an awesome 90 episodes. Thank you so much for coming along. We'll have to do something special for episode 100. If you have any ideas, uh, let me know. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Hope you're enjoying the Bubba and the Bat Flip podcast. Hope you're enjoying Uh, the podcast that I'm doing in between. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Keep grinding uh, for those categories, for those wins as you get close to the playoffs, if you're doing head-to-head. Keep grinding it, work those matchups, and um, yeah, best of luck to all of you with that fantasy baseballing. Take care and be kind to one another.